North-South Connection Podcast Network. Welcome back for the latest edition of Cronoso Daily, presented to you by Johnny C., who is I. We're here to, we here, I think I meant to say we're here, but I said we here. I'm going to allow it. To cover the October 4th, 1986 edition of Saturday Night's Main Event that was recorded all the way back on September 13th, 1986. Which I guess wouldn't really be a concern in this era where the dirt sheets were penetrating not as many people as they are today. It's in WWF's old stomping grounds, the Richfield Coliseum, which is in either Cleveland or Richfield, Ohio. I'm not quite sure it's ever been legally defined. We start off with Jesse the Body Ventura and his buckwheat shirt. Now, I don't know what he's going for, but I will approve of the legendary Eddie Murphy But Wheat Has Been Shot SNL sketch, so I'll allow it, I suppose. He says he's back with a new look and ready to go. And it is true, the last time I saw Jesse, he had the blonde hair. And I the, the only data that I could gather around this after a little bit of head-scratching myself was he's got to be having this new look to either film The Running Man or Predator. And even though Predator was released theatrically before The Running Man, I did see that The Running Man was delayed, and there was some filming done in California on the Paramount Studios ice rink, uh, which, if you recall, there is an ice rink battle in The Running Man on September 29th, 1986. So he was probably getting his look ready so he could don that sweet hairpiece and play Captain Freedom. For the running man, which of course we all know is a Captain America knockoff, which put me in a place where I couldn't help but imagine Jesse the Body Ventura spouting out some of the iconic Avengers' favorite lines. Hey, buddy, on your left. Yeah, I can do this all day, gorilla. Avengers, assemble. And of course, my least favorite Captain America line of all time, which is of course penned by legendary scumbag Joss Whedon. There's only one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. Can they just scrub that from all further releases of the Avengers? Anywho, he tells us it's going to be a hell of a night. We cut to Jake the Snake in the shower with Damien, promising that the snake is going to get the dragon. We cut to Johnny V with the Dream Team, and they're going to regain the tag team titles. The Wizard is here with Kamala. Now, I don't have access presently to a record scratch soundbite, but assume that the record scratch hit right here. Because the wizard, who the hell is the wizard? I did a little bit of research, and fuck me sideways, it's King Curtis, the leader of the Dungeon of Doom. I was always confused by people calling him King Curtis, because to me, King Curtis is the kid from that wife swap show who just wants to eat bacon. YouTube it, it's real. They zoom in on Kamala's eyes as the wizard spouts philosophical reasons why he's going to be victorious tonight. And I can see the actor that plays Kamala. I can see his soul just dying. I can see the pain behind his eyes as the wizard calls this man a savage, jungle-born monster. Holy fuck, Kamala does not age well. We cut to Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who is flexing in front of three mirrors a la the narcissist. Bobby tells us we're looking at the three greatest physiques in wrestling. The first is the next heavyweight champion of the world. The second is the man that left Hulk Hogan lying in a heap in the middle of the ring. And the third is the only real American. I really like this. I thought it was good. Hogan is now the centerpiece. 
He's doing an interview, and he calls <laughs> Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff a no-good Benedict Arnold. He says that Paul had the Hulkamaniacs with him, and he threw it all away. I love how the Hulk Hogan character justifies his goodness by indicating that uh, people can come join his cult of Hulkamania, if you will, but they'll still never be as important as him, and they still have to rely on his fans. Um, it's sort of a symbiotic relationship, uh, which makes me want to see Hulk Hogan with the Venom symbiote, but I'm not going to do any sketches. We get the sweet Saturday night's main event opening credits. A skip intro button appears on Peacock, to which I proclaim, How dare you? I'm never skipping this intro. Vince and Jesse are going to be our hosts tonight. Roddy Roddy Piper is injured. We cut to Gene with Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, indicating that he's not medically cleared to battle the Iron Sheik, courtesy of adorable Adrian Adonis and Don Morocco, uh, beating the hell out of his chair, or excuse me, out of his knee with a chair. Can you imagine them beating the hell out of his chair with his knee? I guess it would get the same injury across, and it would also be a lot funnier. And I'm confused here if Piper's done a face turn, but he gives a fantastic tweener interview that I'm not going to go into the weeds of, but you should absolutely listen to if you're a Roddy Piper fan. So we head back to the announcer's nest, and it's Jesse and Vince with this really strange tower monitor that looks like the goddamn computer from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> where the guy's like, I am not telling the computer exactly what he can do with a lifetime supply of chocolate. We flash back to the heel turn of Paul Orndorff, that goddamn Benedict Arnold that he is. Then we head to Hulk Hogan for more Hulk Hogan talking. I'm sorry, folks. There's just a lot of lead-in to the actual match. I think it's 10 minutes of Saturday Night's Main Event nonsense before the bell rings, so I just want to present the facts to the listeners. So, uh, you know, he said, Hulk Hogan says that people were confused when Orndorff turned his back, even the ones that aren't Hulkamaniacs. Uh, I guess indicating that people could be Paul Orndorff fans independent of being Hulkamaniacs, which is sort of in contrast to his earlier statement. But he does reassure us that God created heaven, earth, and the Hulkamaniacs, and the 24-inch pythons, dude, to protect us from people like Paul Orndorff. Um, Jesse the Body Ventura reiterates that he seems more psycho than psyched up. Uh, Jesse wonders... If Vince McMahon is aware of the true story of how this actually happened. And let's hear what Bobby and Paul have to say. So again, we have more interviews with people before the match actually starts. Luckily, it's Gene Okerlund gets Bobby and Paul Orndorff as they're walking out of their dressing room. And Bobby says that that albino ape, Hulk Hogan, is a liar. And I didn't know that Orange qualified as albino, but I suppose we're just going to have to allow it because we can't change it. Paul Orndorff does then make a fantastic uh, promise. He promises to rip out Hulk Hogan's tongue and then mount it on the title <laughs> and wear it around town, which is just stupendous. <laughs> and then Bobby says they have the music to prove that they are the true heroes. Uh, a match graphic appears which I love from a production standpoint. I love to see how WWF production has evolved. I don't like that it gives me a seizure because the nameplates blink one at a time, and oh boy, it's fucking with me. I'm a real American starts, and here comes Mr. Wonderful with Bobby the Brain Heenan. So an entire feud, blood feud and the touch that they add on top is Piper, or Piper, excuse me, Orndorff stealing the music. Such a small thing. 
but such a huge thing for 1986. I can't give them enough credit for this. Paul Orndorff does the Hogan poses as he's waiting for the, the champion to come down in the ring. Mean Gene attempts to grab Hogan as he leaves his dressing room for an interview. Hogan just grabs Mean Gene in a big bear hug and you know, lifts him and puts him out of the way, and it's fantastic. It was really cool to see Hogan, like, emotionally uh, distraught and just ready to get to the ring. The camera then follows and travels behind Hogan with his back taking up most of the frame as he walks into the sea of fans in the Richfield Coliseum while Real American still plays. They never cut the song. Uh, it doesn't start over when Hogan comes out. It's just the same playthrough and I cannot give them enough credit for this it's really cool really innovative production and I say that wholeheartedly I do want to bring up though that I was wearing a deep I mean you know I'm wearing a decent pair of headphones here and the ADR of the commentary is just murdering the original audio I can barely hear any of it there's hardly any crowd notice noticeable in this entire contest and it's 1986 i understand production the way that it is i'm not critiquing it's just something i wanted to point out and it's unfortunate that you know this is probably the best master of this footage you're ever going to get with with sound 10 minutes in to the actual saturday night's main event the bell rings and it starts hot uh bobby distracts hogan almost right away thus you know, proving that having a manager like him will pay dividends for the Orndorff character. Uh, Bobby climbs the apron and, and by distracting Hogan, eats a fist and takes a flare flop straight from the standing position on the apron to the floor. God bless you, Bobby the Brain Heenan. But this does allow Orndorff to take control with an illegal closed fist, and he's on he's in control for quite a bit of time. Uh, so managers pay off. They battle to the left side of the ring, if you're looking at it from the camera's perspective, to where the timekeeper's table is. And Paul Orndorff pulls Hogan's face, or his head, under the bottom rope and does a knee drop, but he uses the timekeeper's table to keep himself stable. It's like it's it's not a huge thing, guys, but I was really impressed by the innovation. Like It's little things like this. You see something in a match in 1986, and it's like, God, he's standing on the table. It's just... You don't expect it. It it means it does a lot for me personally. It gets even better because he throws Hogan like over the or he throws the rest of Hogan's body, you know, under this rope, and he, Hogan rolls over the actual timekeeper human beings, flattens them both on the ground, and Jesse even makes a joke that Hogan's so out of it he doesn't even know where he is, and he's trying to pin the timekeeper. Now he's not, but man, this this shit really works. Orndorff starts choking Hogan with the TV cables, gets back in the ring. Hogan tries to, you know, climb his way back up to onto the apron. Paul Orndorff charges towards him, and if it was the modern era, he'd do a baseball slide. But it's 1986, and the athleticism isn't there yet, but it's perfectly fine because Hogan, or excuse me, Orndorff does what I'm calling just an ass ram. He rams his, you know, his butt into Hogan's face, but it it works. Like, Hogan takes it like it's a shotgun to the face. And, and I don't know, I'm really enjoying this match. Um, Orndorf is back on offense, and his well, offense is a little slow in measuring, but it's 1986. A suplex gets two, and Hogan very weakly kicks out. This is like an Andre the Giant level I can barely kick out. And good for Terry Bollea, Hulk, good for Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea, for doing what he can in the ring to put over a Paul Orndorff, dude. Uh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> 
Hogan though reverses an Irish whip and hits the big no it's not the big boot Hogan does a jumping knee strike this is 36 years old people and somehow a small variation of Hogan's limited move set I don't say that to mock God knows I'm a Hulk Hogan fan just a small variation popped me like it was I don't know Wrestlemania or something I couldn't this knee I was into it fucking whatever Ica Pro Hogan took before this match it's clearly kicking in but Bobby the Brain Heenan thus again proving that when you turn heel you can have a manager and it really pays off he grabs Hogan's leg and prevents a leg drop from happening Hogan of course is pissed and showing some sort of solidarity between you know the sides of good the police officers at ringside grab Bobby the braid heated and they carry him all the way to the back and they carry him in like a Superman position to where like their hands are on his like chest and Bobby's like he looks like with the, if he put his arms out outstretched he'd be like daddy look I'm flying because his face is facing forward <laughs> and I you know I say that humorously but I it was entertaining the absolute hell out of me and the camera follows these guys all the way to the back. We cut to Hogan, who briefly does a hand motion like, now it's one versus one, brother. And then we cut back to Bobby, who's locked in a room, banging on the door, desperately trying to get out. And we head to a commercial. In a great piece of synergy, we cut back from commercial right away, because it's a tape. And Heenan is still in the room, trying to get out. Um... Hogan and Orndorff are on the outside of the ring chasing each other around. When Orndorff jumps into the ring, Hogan does too, and Orndorff does the heel stomp on the on the face, you know, and, and gets in control. Paul has just a little bit of more offense before he signals for the pile driver. It's reversed. Hogan starts hulking up. In another variant to his moveset, he hits Paul Orndorff with a vicious Jake the Snake Roberts short clothesline. Then Hogan makes the pile driver motion and I'm like holy shit Hogan's really stepping up his game when all of a sudden there is a lady in the ring a woman rushes into the ring she touches Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan turns around and with zero provocation or evidence that it's actually adorable Adrian Adonis as we all know he punches her in the face and God love Triple A, as I'm going to call him, he does a Rikishi 360 cell to this punch like it was, again, a shotgun to the face. Um, it's two on one, though, eventually, because Orndorff beats on Hogan and Triple A is assisting him. We cut to the aisle and tiny fucking Tim is. No, wait, actually, it's Roddy Piper on a crutch, but that doesn't take away from the effectiveness of it. Piper is desperately trying to get down to the ring with his injured limb and he eventually rolls in and he starts swinging this crutch like it's a goddamn lightsaber it makes contact with triple a and he flies over the ring ropes paul orndorff immediately bails piper without missing a beat swings at hogan full speed and hogan ducks down like he's ducking a, a, a wrestling maneuver but it all works i don't say it jokingly he hogan grabs piper goes to punch him but wait a minute he stalls he decides, maybe I shouldn't do this, dude. They kind of have a face-off. Roddy Piper throws the crutch on the ground, pulls an 
1990 Ultimate Warrior and just bails after saving Hulk Hogan, I could practically hear Vince McMahon saying, No, the warrior's gone. Just like how that fantastic Ultimate Challenge video package ends. It's a tremendous finish. It's a 10-minute match. Hogan wins by DQ. Hogan and Piper together face-to-face as, quote, allies is mind-boggling for me. I've never seen this. I love it. Hogan ruins it by shaking his booty to his theme music. The sound mix, again, is awful. Hogan does some awkward dude-love dance moves in his regular pose routine. He then puts on Triple A's hat and wig combination. I can't help but smile, and the entire presentation ends. 23 minutes and 28 seconds in to this Saturday Night's Main Event broadcast, and I apologize. This is longer than I'd like. This this pod blast has been longer than I would like it to be. There was a lot of ground to cover, and I wanted to give equal opportunity to the promos and the matches. Uh, I'm going to grade the match only, and I'm going to give it three stars because two and a half is your baseline. This is way above that. I mean, it wasn't going to set the world on fire, but I really enjoyed it. I think it was a great um, sort of uh, snapshot of this feud. And I can't wait for the cage match, which we all know is going to come up eventually if you know your wrestling history. Well done, Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan. And I can see why this uh, feud is looked back upon fondly, not only from a fan perspective, but from a box office perspective. That's going to do it for me. That is Johnny C. You can catch me almost every Sunday on the North-South Connection Podcast Network coming at you with the multiverse of fabulousness where we alter history or make changes to the WWE product and you know, tell crazy stories that could only happen in the multiverse of fabulousness. And it rotates with WCW Must Die, where I take a humorous approach to dissecting WCW Monday Nitro, Thunder, and pay-per-view events that took place under the regime and watchful eye of Vince Russo, leading to their eventual death. I hope to see you every day logging into the Cronoso podcast so you can take a listen to how this Saturday night's main event will conclude and join us when the next big event comes your way. See you next time on Cronoso Daily.